Well, good morning, church. It is good to see all of you this morning on this holiday weekend. Uh, just so excited to have you guys together as we get a chance to worship together. I want to welcome those that are here for the first time. Got to meet a number of first-time guests here this morning already. Uh, that's so fun. Every single week we got people walking in these doors for the first time. We hope you experience uh, God and have your faith drawn and encouraged uh, this morning. also want to welcome again those that are with us online. We're glad that you are a part of things this morning. Before I dive into the message today, uh, I just want to give a quick reminder announcement for all the men in the room. If you're a man in the room, give me a nod right now, okay? Give me a nod. There you are, guys. Uh, this Wednesday is the first Wednesday of the month, and if you remember, we've kind of kicked off this new thing of men's prayer the first Wednesday of every month. It's a chance once a month for all the men in our church to rally together, to challenge one another, to encourage one another, to pray together to lift each other up in our faith because we live in a world that's trying to tear men away from faith and tear men down and we need one another on this journey and so it's a little uncomfortable because it's 6 30 to 7 30 a.m one hour we won't go longer than 7 30 uh, but i challenge you to do something uncomfortable in your life to get up a little earlier wednesday to join us we had over 60 guys join us the last time just a chance to challenge one another left inspired and encouraged and we hope that you can be a part of things uh, this wednesday morning all right Cool. Well, this is also a big week for other reasons, because schools get started. How many students are excited about school starting? Yeah, none of them are, okay? How many parents are excited for school to get started? There we go. Woohoo! Uh, I remember when we took our kids to school for the very first time. Um, you know, when you take a kindergartner, maybe if you've ever had kids, you know what that's like. You bring your kindergartner to school and you get them all tidied up ready. Here's a picture of my kids. This was Levi on his first day of school, how, or what, seven, eight, nine years ago, something like that. And here's Asher. Asher, that was his first day of school. Little Asher, look at that guy, right? And then four years ago, I walked my little baby girl, DL, the last child to kindergarten. It was just like, oh, it's like those moments. And when it's, when you take your kid to school for the very first time, it's emotional. You're like crying. You're sad. Um, but then after they've been at school for a while, like this year, we throw a party at the Lynn's household when school starts. Like you have been in the house too much lately. We're going to get you out of the house a little bit. That's fine. I know some of you homeschool and blessings to you. You are saints. All of you. All of you are saints. But um, students, I know this is a challenging time. Uh, when we step back into school, particularly for those who are stepping back into public schools, uh, because this is not an environment that's always easy to be faithful to Christ. It's just not. It's a challenge. And, and I want to just encourage you that we are proud of you, number one. We are proud of who you are and the, the men and women that you are becoming. And we challenge you this year, let this not be the kind of year where you walk away from faith, faith, but would this be a year where you lean in, you dig in deeper, that you're more faithful to Christ than ever before, that you're taking the steps that are required for you to continue to be faithful to Christ. We want to challenge you in there, but know this, students, you're not the only ones. Like us adults, we all adults get that this is not an easy world always to live faithfully for Christ, right? Sunday mornings, it's easy, super easy. We got all the people here. We're singing together. We got the songs. You know, we got people cheering us on and challenging us, encouraging us. But then we go back to our jobs and we go back to our neighborhoods and we go into some of our families and it's just not easy to stay faithful to Christ because some people can be hostile toward faith. We don't live in a world or in a nation particularly where we're ex experiencing extreme persecution, okay? But there's a question that we have been asking throughout the series that we've been in, uh, in the book of First Peter. And the question we're asking is, how do we live for Christ in a world that is often hostile toward faith? We may not experience persecution right now, but how many know we do experience people who are hostile toward our faith in Christ? 
Like it's not always easy to follow Jesus. And so we've been in this series that we've entitled Exiles as we walk through First Peter because he's writing to a group of believers who are experiencing the very same thing that we experience. And hopefully throughout this series, it's been all summer long, we're wrapping up today. Hopefully this series has been challenged to you. Hopefully it's been encouraging to you. But this morning, Peter is going to end his letter with a critical warning. And it's a warning that every single one of us need to hear if we're going to stay faithful to Christ for the long haul, all right? And so if you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse number 8. And if you would, would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read our text this morning? Uh, there's nothing sacred about standing. We just say this. It's our way, our tradition of honoring God's word, saying your word matters more than my words. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray today that it wouldn't just be an exercise to listen to me talk today, but instead we would have hearts that are open to hear what you have to say today. Would you challenge us? Would you encourage us? We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. Uh, how many of you ever watched the show 24 back in the day when 24 was on? Okay, some of you watched 24 back in the day. Okay. Uh, we, Amber and I used to love watching the show 24. It was a fun show for us. And we were talking with somebody late, uh, just recently in the last couple of weeks and they were asking how long we have been married. And I'm like, you know, we've been married 17 years, but a better way to understand of how long we've really been married was to be able to say that since we've been married, we've recorded episodes of 24 on VHS cassette tapes so we could watch them later on. Okay. How many of you ever recorded shows on a VHS cassette tape at some point in your life? Kids, you can ask your parents, what is a VHS cassette tape? Um, but in the show 24, it was a, it was a fun show, really lots of action, and there was episode after episode, and you kind of had to know what is the storyline going on. So at the beginning of every episode, they did the same thing. It said, previously on 24, right? And then it gives you like a minute reminder of here's what's been going on in the storyline. You know, they do the same thing in shows today if you're watching a series with lots of episodes and Okay, And so some of you haven't been around all summer, and so I'm going to give you previously in the book of 1 Peter, because you don't know what's actually been happening in this letter. This is a letter written to believers, okay? And so I want to let you know where we've been at in the story. So this is a letter written by the Apostle Peter. Remember, he's one who walked with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He knew Jesus, right? And now, this is several decades later, and he's trying to encourage a group of believers. He's this leader, pastor figure, overseeing these churches, and they're living in an area where it's really, really hot style toward faith. Like it's hard. In fact, it's harder than what we experience. Financially, they're struggling. Relationally, they're struggling because of the persecution that's taking place because they're being faithful to Christ. And so he's trying to encourage them to write a letter to lift them up. And so he says, he calls them exiles. Exiles, another translation, temporary residents. He's reminding them, listen, you're a temporary resident right now. This is not your eternal home, right? This is just temporary. You have an eternal home. You have an eternal inheritance in store for you. You're just in exile right now. And then he goes on and begins to spell out what is that hope they have, this living hope, this inheritance that's in store from heaven, that's guarded and protected and can never be taken away from you. 
And then he goes on and he talks about this identity that we have in Christ, that we, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. He begins to explain who we are in Christ. And then he makes a turn in the letter. And he starts to say, okay, now that you understand this hope you have, now that you understand who you are, you have to recognize you got to live differently because of that. You can't live like everybody else does. He says, in this dark world, you need to be the light. You should live differently from everyone. They should see something markedly different about your life. And then he goes on to talk about the fact that, listen, as you live differently, guess what? You're going to be persecuted. Just know it. It's not a question of will it happen. It's when will it happen. You will experience persecution. There will be times where you have to suffer because you are choosing to be faithful to Christ. It's not a word we like to hear. But it's, it's something we need to desperately be aware of if we're going to stay faithful to Christ, even through the hard season. And so then he gets to the end of the book. He gets to the end of this letter. We get to chapter 5. And uh, you know this. There was no chapter markers in this. This is just a letter. So it's the last fifth of the book, basically, is what we get to. And so you get to the beginning of chapter 5. And it's this section that says, to the elders among you. To the elders. And he's, so he's talking to spiritual leaders and elders and pastors and things like that. And I know for me, I'm a pastor. So when I read those things, I perk up like, yeah, awesome. I'm going to read these things. This will be helpful. My guess is if you don't see yourself as an elder or a spiritual leader in some sort, you probably just kind of, I'm going to skip over this. This isn't for me. I don't need to hear these parts. Uh, But there's a group of you in this room that really need to pay attention. Raise your hand if you have a child uh, 18 or younger living in the home right now. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. So a good percentage of this room. You need to understand a, a truth. You are the spiritual leader of your child. You are. Oh, do do I get to have impact? Yes. Do the kids' ministry and the youth ministry get to have an impact? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you are the spiritual leader of your families. Okay? We don't feel like we deserve it. doesn't matter if you feel like you deserve that title. That's just the reality. You are. Whether you feel like I'm not mature enough to be the spiritual leader, I don't care if you feel like you are. You are the spiritual leader of your home, of your children. And so I want you to hear Peter's words in light of that, parents here in the room. It says this, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. You've been given children. And as a dad, it's like, whoa, sometimes it's overwhelming realizing what God has put into our hands. But at the end of the day, I am called to be the shepherd, to watch over, to guard my child. And if you're a parent in the room, you can understand this, that I'll be the first to admit it's really, really easy as a parent to start thinking about the secondary things rather than the primary things. It's really easy to care about how they're doing in school. Did they make the right sports team? Do they have the right clothes? Are they they making good friends? Do we all, to think about all those kind of things and to forget about the things that actually matter in life that are eternal. Because a hundred years from now, the only thing that matters in your child's life is their relationship with Christ. A hundred years from now, it won't matter what sports team they made. It won't matter, you know, you know, what they did, what they achieved, even what their career is. That is secondary. Primary is their faith. What are we doing as parents, as the spiritual leaders of our kids? What are we doing to challenge our kids, to point them to Christ, to lead them to Christ? What are we doing to be examples to our children to say, watch me. You want to know what it looks like to follow Jesus? Watch my life and imitate me. Are we doing that? It's easy to get lazy. It is. It's easy to get distracted. 
But the challenge is we are those spiritual leaders where we do that. And so Peter goes on in this letter and he, he gets to verse number six. He starts talking about humility and the call to humility. There's a really great verse in number seven where he says, cast all your anxieties onto God because he cares for you. Even when you don't feel like it, he actually cares about you personally and intimately. And then we get to the passage that we read today, okay? And this is what we're gonna dig into today, beginning in verse number eight. It starts with this phrase, be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. When you hear the word sober, sober, oftentimes we think of that in contrast to being drunk, right? You're either drunk or you're sober. But that's, that's not what this word in the Greek actually means. The word sober is speaking more specifically of this idea of simply being clear-headed, that they are clear-headed and not distracted. And this phrase, be alert and of a sober mind, be clear-headed, clear-minded in the way that you think about things, uh, this phrase gets used three times in the book. And every time, it's as if, Peter is trying to get these people to have a different perspective. He's trying to to challenge their mindset, the way they think. Because he's like, if you think like everybody else does, you're going to have problems. If you think like all of your friends do, you're going to have problems. So I'm going to challenge you. Be alert. Be clear-minded. you got to think differently. The first few times he uses this phrase, he talks uh, about eternity. you got to think about eternity. Stop thinking about just here and now like everybody else. you got to have an eternal perspective. But in this instance, he attaches this phrase to a warning that we see in verse 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How many of you have ever seen a National Geographic uh, video of like a lion attacking an animal? You ever seen those before? Remember those like cheetahs and lions, all those kind of things? I, I love watching National Geographic videos and those kind of things. They're, they're just entertaining. Uh, if you've ever watched one of them, uh, they always make them super epic. You know, they, they create this, they paint this whole scene, all that kind of stuff. There's always like this really beautiful background music to the thing. They make it feel like it's a movie score. There's always like a, a British guy who's doing the narration, you know, because British people sound smarter. Even if they aren't, they just sound smarter. I don't get it. Okay. And so they're doing the narration, you know, and it's always this, if it's going to be a lion attack, it's, they all start the same way. It's like a close-up of like a gazelle out in the fields, right? Just gently eating the food, you know? And it's just so cute, all cute little gazelle. Look at the cute little gazelle out there doing that stuff, whatever. And all of a sudden, the music changes, right? And it gets epic. And then you see the lion just starting to prowl through the, through the grass, you know? It's getting closer and it's getting closer, you know? And you know, lions, they got to get really close to the prey, so it's sneaking through and the music is getting more dramatic and all this stuff and it's getting intense. And all of a sudden... It goes into slow motion. You know what I'm saying? Right? And they have the, like the video and the lion just jumps out. Here's a picture they got where the lion just jumps out. And it's just this slow motion epic as the lion is chasing the animal down. And the music is swelling. And it feels so cool. And it's like, yeah, this is awesome. And then, and then he gets an animal. And usually they pan to like a wide shot of the animal. So you're not seeing like all the gross stuff going on. You know? But every once in a while in the videos, it snaps from the slow motion to regular. And they'll do a close-up of lions eating their kill. If you've ever seen a video like this, if you've ever seen a video like that, it gets rather morbid because you've got these lions with blood all over their faces eating an animal while it's oftentimes still alive, tearing the flesh away. I know some of you are shivering back there right now. It's gross. And this is the image that Peter is painting of what the enemy wants to do to you. There is an enemy of your soul, the devil, that literally wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. 
He wants to tear you to pieces. He is looking for someone to devour. So we've got to be alert. We've got to be sober-minded. We've got to be clear-headed about this. There is a spiritual enemy of our souls that wants nothing less than to tear you to pieces. And it sounds a little over the top. You're like, oh, Greg, that's a little over the top. But Peter said, no, no, no. You have to recognize this. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm not trying to go overboard here. I'm trying to warn you as a pastor who cares for you. I'm trying to warn you of the spiritual reality that's before you. And I think it's a warning that every one of us need to take hold of as well. We have to, we've got to be alert. We've got to be clear headed about this. We are living in a world where there is an enemy. It isn't just flesh and blood. There is spiritual battles going on all around us. And if we don't recognize that, we put ourselves into dangerous positions. And so Peter goes on and he gives a challenge. You know, you see this, if you got your text, look at verse number nine. He says this, resist him. Who's that? The devil. Resist the devil, right? Don't just give in. When he's trying to attack, don't just give in. No, resist him. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. What kind of faith? What is our faith in? The faith that he's been talking about. This faith in the God of all creation who has called you, who has chosen you, who has made you his people, who has given you an inheritance. Have faith in that. Have faith in what's in store for you, that this isn't your home. There is an eternal home in store for you. Have faith in that. Stand firm in your faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. You're not the only one facing it. You're not on your own. You might feel like you're on your own. I'm the only one trying to be faithful to Jesus. No, you're not. There are people all over this world. There are people in places in this world that are facing persecution and challenges we could never even fathom. And yet they're standing firm and they are remaining faithful. They are resisting the enemy who is trying to take them out and they are standing firm in their faith. And he's saying, listen to that testimony and be challenged to persevere in your faith. So what does it look like to resist and to stand firm? I think that's a question. What does that really look like in my life? If I was going to resist the devil who's trying to take me out, what, what does that actually look like? And I think the image that Peter gives us of a lion can actually give us some insight into what this actually means. You see, lions aren't stupid, okay? Lions aren't stupid. They don't just go attack any animal, They're very, very intentional about the animals that they are attacking. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at what type of prey lions go after. And I think as we do that, there's going to be some spiritual application that we see in our own lives. Because they don't just go after anyone. No, they go after those that are a little bit more vulnerable. And if we don't recognize that the times that we're placing ourselves into vulnerable positions, then we're going to be exposed to those attacks of the enemy in greater ways, all right? And so I'm going to walk through this. There's three different types of animals or prey that they go after. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. They look for those that are distracted. They look for prey that is distracted. They're looking for animals that are unattentive or oblivious to what's going on. If you ever see those uh, videos, you'll see an animal and they're, they're doing their own thing. They're eating, they're distracted. Maybe they're at the water. They, when they go to the water, they have to be very attentive because if they're not, if they just get focused on the water, that's a prime time for them to go and get attacked. How many of you uh, have ever, like, you like watching magicians or illusionists or things like that? You ever enjoy some of those kind of things? Like, I enjoy watching those things, but you know, there's no such thing as magic, okay? They're not, they're not really doing magic. What they're doing is they're, they're performing an illusion and getting you to think something that didn't actually happen. But when you have an illusionist, what are they trying to do? They are constantly trying to distract you, aren't they? 
Because there's the thing that they're, tr- they're doing, and then there's everything else that they're doing to try and make you not see what they're actually doing. Okay? Why do they have pretty girls dancing around the stage? To distract you, okay? Why do they blow things up? Because they're doing something over here, so they blow something over here to take your attention away. And I think a lot of times in our lives, we can be operating the same way. We get so distracted with stuff that isn't really important, and we're missing the stuff that actually matters right in front of us, right? The things of faith that are eternal, the things that matter the most, we're ignoring them. We don't even see them going on because we're distracted with all the busy of our own normal day and our schedules and our lives and what we got going on. We're just distracted. We're not doing bad things all the time, right? We're just a little distracted. And that puts us in a very, very dangerous position. When we don't recognize the spiritual battle that's going on, when we don't really see that, when we see everything is just flesh and blood, we're putting ourselves into a dangerous position. You see, when I, uh, I want to give a challenge for each one of these things. And the challenge that I think every one of us needs to have is this, is that we must be spiritually aware. Be spiritually aware. I mean, be honest with me for a second. Just think of your own life. I mean, we all have days where we wake up, we go through the motions, and never once think about spiritual things. I guess we all have days like that. Maybe it's a day where you didn't pray, you don't get in the Word, you're not really thinking about things, and it's just easy to go through the mundane. And when you're not intentionally spiritually aware of what's going on around you, it's so easy to get off course. And the enemy will use those moments, those seasons. Sometimes it's a day. Sometimes it's a season. You're getting busy, just busy. And you kind of set aside the things that get you focused on the stuff that matters. In those seasons, we put ourselves into dangerous positions where the enemy is looking to attack when you are vulnerable, okay? And so number one, we got to... We got to look out for those times when we are distracted. The second type of prey that the enemy goes after is the weak. Enemy goes after the weak. They look for the young, the immature, the vulnerable. Sometimes they look for the sick. They look for the ones that are struggling, the ones that are injured. And I'll talk about those that are sick and struggling here in a moment. But many times they're looking for those who are young. That's why I say as parents, it's so critical. Guess what? Your kids don't realize how vulnerable they are. They don't. They don't, real, they don't see things with the maturity, hopefully, that you have. And your job as a parent is to care for them, to see the things they don't see, and to help bring guidance in their life. Will they always respond correctly? Nope. <laughs> like, like, we all get that. They, most of the time, they won't listen to what you But our job is to do everything we can to guard and protect our kids. But it isn't just our kids, because there are many times in our lives where we are the ones who are vulnerable. We are the ones who are weak. Why does that happen? Maybe there's a season we just haven't been in church for a while. Just gotten busy with stuff. I haven't been in church, haven't been encouraging, haven't been hearing the word, haven't been with the body, being lifted up in my faith. We just feel really weak. We wonder, man, why do I feel so weak? I haven't been in proximity to other believers who are encouraging. I haven't been hearing the word preached regularly and challenging me in my life. We just get weak. And the enemy will use those seasons. There's seasons where maybe you haven't been in the word lately, right? You're not getting in the word on a regular basis. And so guess what? When you don't know the word, then you won't know when you're being lied to. You won't. If you don't know the truth, you don't know when you're being lied to. So anything that sounds good, like you're like, well, that sounds right. That sounds good. I don't care if it sounds good to me. I don't care if it sounds good to you. What does God actually have to say about that? And we have to stay rooted and get into the word. We have to feed ourselves the things that make us healthy. If all of us had a diet of, of Lucky Charms, you know, and, and Dr. Pepper, and only that for the next, like, three months, guess what? Three months from now, we'd be a lot sicker. Three months from now, if we got sick, if we had a sickness, our bodies would not be able to fight it off at the same level. Why? Because we are not strong. 
We've put ourselves in a weak position, and yet so many times we're walking around not consuming things that build our spirit up. We're eating all the other stuff. We're eating all the media and all the, the, the reading and all the shows and all the you know, music and all the social media, and we're just consuming all this stuff that's feeding lies to us, and then we wonder why we feel so spiritually weak. And the challenge that I have for you is this, is that you need to get in the Word. Get in the Word. Get in the Word on a regular basis. Get in the Word. What are you doing to get in the Word on a regular basis? Not just on Sunday morning. I think Sunday is a great time. And there's some of you, that's what you need to do. you got to get your butt in church more often. Because right now, you only show up when it's convenient. You're like, well, if it's too nice, I'm not going to go. If it's too rainy, I'm not going to go. If it's too snowy, I'm not going to go. If I'm too busy, I'm not going to go. If I haven't been busy lately, I'm not going to go because now i got a day off. Like you, pick a, you can have a reason every single Sunday not to come. You need to get your butt in church because you need to be encouraged and challenged by the Word of God on a regular basis. You are spiritually weak because you are allowing yourself to be in that position, okay? But beyond that, there's some of you just need to get in the Word on a daily basis. God, I'm going to read your Word. Even if I don't understand it every day, God, I'm going to feed myself the truth so that way I know when I'm being lied to, right? So that I understand the attacks of the enemy. We care about this so much with our kids, and you know this, every single month we have a heart habit. And uh, today, I love it, today they're launching the heart habit for this month, which is reading the Bible for our kids, elementary and, and early childhood and so as you pick up your kids today, uh, there's these little things. There's a Bible reading plan for the entire month. There's a whole sheet that has information about that for your kids. Getting that for your kids. Some of you adults, you know, wait till the kids take them, but you might need to go take one of these things. You're like, I need a little reading plan. That's fine. I don't care. Let's get in the Word on a regular basis, all right? All right, so the first, the enemy looks for distracted. Two, they look for the weak. And number three, they look for the isolated. The isolated. You ever watch those uh, lion attacks? They love to try and get somebody all by themselves, don't they? If there's an animal all by themselves, that's the first one they go after. But even if there's a herd, if you've ever seen it, what do they try and do? They try to find the weak one, and they try to get them all by themselves. Because it's easier to take them out then. And so often, this is what happens in our faith journeys. We get weak. We get battle, you know, the enemy battling against us. Why? Because we are isolated. We're on our own. We don't have anybody there challenging us. We don't have anyone there encouraging us, right? Like it's so, so desperately needed in our lives because we all fall. We all fall. I fall. You fall. We struggle sometimes. There are difficulties. The question is, do you have anybody to pick you up when you fall spiritually? Do you have anybody that would challenge you if you fell spiritually? Do you have anybody that can get in your face and call stuff out in your life if you got off the rails somewhere? Because if you don't, then you're in a vulnerable position. You're, you're, you're one of those prey that's so much easier for the enemy to get a hold of. Because when we don't have other people, there's times where I'm too weak to speak truth to myself. I need somebody else to, to speak it into my life. Like there's times where I'm struggling and I'm weak and I need somebody to pick me up and lift me up. And I need those people in my life. This happened a couple of years ago. Amber kind of referred to this. Um, I, well, I want to say this first is that a lot of times people, when they get into a storm, when they get into a storm, there's like, oh, I don't have anybody in my life. Hear this. You need people in community around you before the storm hits. Because if you're waiting for the storm moment, it may be too late. <laughs> you are already gotten yourself into a place where you are desperate, right? Like we've got to pursue. Don't hope for the community around you. You've got to pursue a community in your life. You have to pursue relationships to be around you so that when the storm hits, you got people around you. I remember something that happened to Amber and I. She shared a bit of this story last week. 
Um, but as I was thinking about it, I'm like, this is so fitting for right here. There's a season in our life 11, 12 years ago. Um, we had just gotten into a small group with like three or four other couples. Um, and just started meeting. It was a small group at the church we were a part of and didn't really know each other, just started a group, okay? Just a few months into that journey, uh, Amber was put on bed rest with our second son, Asher. And so she spent the next 15, 18 weeks on bed rest. She couldn't get up at all. She could get up to take a shower. That was it, you know? And it was one of those seasons where it was hard. Like, you know, okay, how are we going to deal with this? I still got to work. We still had another kid. How are we dealing with all these things? And because we were in that group, one of the, the ladies started connecting with Amber and she was coming every single day to care for her. She would do our laundry. She would feed our kids. She was taking care of things. It was amazing what she did for us. At the same time that we were walking through that, I was walking through something personally as well. I was in a, uh, I have Crohn's disease and uh, I was on this medication and my body reacted to the drug that I was on really severely. And for about six months, I was walking around kind of like a cripple. I was like a hundred year old dude. Like my, my joints were all swollen. There were times where I couldn't get up off a couch. Somebody would have to pull and lift me up off a couch. There were times where I couldn't bend arms. I was a guitar player leading worship at the time. There were Sundays I couldn't, I couldn't get my hand to hold a pick in it because my, my joints were just seizing up. And, and it was coming up on summer. And like, it was like just getting the garbage can to the front of my house was a challenge some days. You know, Amber can't do anything. And I'm just trying, you know, I'm like trying to drag it with a body that doesn't even want to work. And we get to the summer and I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to mow my lawn this summer. Like I can't, I can't do anything right now. But somebody in that group stepped forward, without, never, would never tell us that they did it but stepped forward and paid for lawn maintenance for our house for the whole summer. And I look back on that season and I think, what would we have done if we had not had community in our life before that? I, think, I don't know how we would have made it through that season um, because we need the community. Like that's the whole point of the kingdom of God is that we're invited into a community of believers who love each other like family who serve each other selflessly, that when we walk through the storms, there are people there to hold us, to lift us up. And when we are struggling spiritually, we're discouraged and the enemy's trying to beat us up. We aren't living out in isolation. We've got people there to remind us of the truth of who we are, who we stand with, that you have a community that you are a part of. You are a part of the kingdom of God and you don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to give up. You can stand firm. You can persevere. You can hold on through whatever you're walking through. But we need that in our lives. So I want to give you a challenge, and the challenge is this, get in community. Get in community. That's something like, I got friends, Greg. I got, yeah, it's great, you got friends. Question, do you have friends that challenge you spiritually? Do you have any friends in your life that challenge you spiritually, that speak into your life, that have the permission to speak into your life, that have the permission to encourage you or to challenge you in your life? If you don't, then you have to take a step to do that. A lot of it, I always say, hope ain't a plan. You can't just hope that you have somebody in your life. You're going to have to pursue that. And I'm a guy, and, and let's just be honest, guys are not great with relationships. They just aren't. Guys will we'll have zero relationships that we talk deeply about. Like, we just don't talk about things that matter. I realize that in all the relationships I have, if I don't dig us into a deeper place, we'll stay up here all the time. Like, that's just normal, okay? And so you have to take it, take it on yourself and say, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to help me have a more spiritual relationship. No, I'm going to be the one that pursues that, to get into community with people that care for me in that type of a way. And so next week, Amber already talked about, we've got small groups not launching next week. There's some of you, if you answer the question, no, I have no spiritual relationships in my life. Okay, if that's your answer, next week we're launching small groups. 
You have the opportunity. You have zero excuses to say, oh, I don't, I'm not, I don't do that. No. Hey, step into a small group. Put yourself in an uncomfortable position, but allow yourself to get into proximity with other believers because the end result is that you have a community who is challenging you and who can encourage you in your faith when you need it. When the enemy is coming after you, he will not find you isolated. He will find you in a community of people who can encourage you and lift you and remind you of the truth. All right? Cool. And so we get to uh, the end of this thing. So he's given this big warning, uh, but then he closes with this encouragement. And I want you to read this. If you got verses 10 and 11, he says this, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I want to get to our big so what as we close this morning. The big so what I have for you this morning is this. Remember who has called you and who is with you. Remember who has called you. You are not called by just anyone. You are called by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has invited you into his kingdom, his eternal kingdom, both now and forever. And you need to remember who is with you. This same God who has called you is the same one that said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. No matter what you face, no matter what the enemy may bring against you, you do not have to live in fear. You do not have to live in anxiety around this. No, you can have confidence in who I am. See, Peter is closing this letter and he doesn't want to leave him discouraged. Like we just read the previous stuff. It's like, better look out or you'll get eaten by the devil. Like that's not where he wants to end this letter. He's going to end the letter by saying, no, you need to know there's an enemy. You got to know there's an enemy, but you don't have to live in fear. Okay. You need to be aware. Don't be foolish. Don't be scared though. Because the God of all grace, the God of all power has called you. You are his, you are chosen right? And the same God of all creation is with you. His grace will strengthen you. It will protect you. It will provide for you. And as it says in verse number 10, he will make you strong, firm, and steadfast, whatever you face. You just need to cling to him. You got to hold on to Jesus. Whatever you're walking through, whatever's difficult, hold on to Jesus. This morning, I want to be able to, to pray. We're going to all respond here in a moment. But before we do that, I want to just take a moment to pray over our students who are heading to school this uh, fall. If you, are a, if you are a kid, doesn't matter if you're in elementary school, doesn't uh, middle school, high school, and even if you're in college, if you're heading to college this fall in some way, I'm going to ask you to do something. I know it might feel uncomfortable for a moment, but if you all do it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to ask you just simply to stand where you're at. I'm not going to, you to, do, I'm not going to make you do anything else, okay? If you're a student here in the room, thank you for being the first. Way to go, okay? If you're a student in the room, I want you to stand up all across the room, okay? Can you give it up for our students as they're standing up right now? Yeah. Just stay standing just for a moment. Just hear this. Students, I'm so proud of you. And you need to know there's a church here that is proud of you, okay? We love you. We are with you. We want to see you continue to endure faithfully as followers of Jesus. And we know that it isn't easy always. It's difficult at times. And there's a world that is hostile toward faith. And it is going to be difficult at times. And we want to challenge you to stay firm. To stand firm, right? To don't give in. Resist the enemy's temptation to walk away and instead continue to persevere in your faith. Continue to persevere in relationship with other students who are looking to point you toward Jesus rather than pull them away. All right? 
And so I want to just take a moment to pray over them. So if you would join your hearts with mine, if there's a student around you, feel free to lay a hand on a shoulder. But I just want to take a moment as we pray over these students. Father, we thank you so much for each and every one of these students. And God, we know that you, we know that you have called them. God, that you have plans for them. We also know there's an enemy that would love to thwart those plans. And so God, I am praying right now that you would guard their minds, guard their hearts in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would give them endurance, that you would give them power. God, that your Holy Spirit would empower them to to stand firm, to, to live in conflict with what everyone else is doing at times. God, to be faithful to Christ when it isn't always easy. God, would you give them that strength, Lord? God, I pray that you would give them just a discernment about the right things to do in moments when it's difficult. God, I pray that you would give them uh, just a peace when, when it seems like everybody else is trying to tear them down, God, that they can still have a peace about your presence, Lord. God, I pray that you would just give them everything that they need. God, I pray that they would stand on the truth. They would stand on the things that matter, the things that are eternal. Would you protect them, Lord? God, I pray that this year, rather than being a year where they have to kind of slowly come back to faith, God, I pray this would be a year where their faith blows up, where it just grows, where it's firm, where they have deep roots, Lord Jesus, where they stay faithful to you in all things, God. Give them that strength, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated, students. I want to give everyone else just an opportunity to respond just for a moment. So if you would, would you put the challenge up on the screen here? Earlier, I was talking about the three different ways um, that I wanted to challenge you. And and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to pray a simple prayer. And it's this, Holy Spirit, which of these three things do I need to lean into a little bit more? Okay? Maybe you need to just become spiritually aware. Maybe you need to start your day differently so that you have a different mindset. Maybe you just need to get in the Word. You know, I say, God, I need to get back into the Word on a regular basis. Maybe it is I need to I need to get back to church more regularly. I need to make that a part. Or maybe it is I need to get in community. Maybe it's next week you need to get into a small group. Or, uh, I would encourage you. Got, you got students here that need to get into youth to build relationships with others. All right, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Just simply say, Holy Spirit, which one of these things do I need to lean into? I'm going to give you a moment to respond. that the king of all creation is both guarding and protecting as well as strengthening us. We thank you for that, Lord. God, I pray for whatever whatever you put on our hearts right now, whether it's just becoming more aware, whether it's getting in your word, whether it's getting in community, God, I pray whatever you're challenging us to do, God, I pray this week you would help us to take a step. God, that we wouldn't just hear what you had to say, but God, we'd actually do something with it and live this thing out, Lord. So would you give us the ability to do that, Lord? And I pray the result is that we would be in healthier, stronger position. So when the enemy's attacks come, we would be ready to stand firm, to resist them, and to live faithfully for Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, as we close this morning, as we close this series, we just want to end by taking a time to have communion together. And so... If you've uh, got communion elements, I would encourage you to take those out. Um, if you by chance were missed, I'm going to ask our ushers in the back if you would 
uh, just bring the buckets around just to make sure. Uh, just lift your hand if you didn't get out all elements. We'll make sure you get some of those. If you're with us online, I would encourage you to have a solid and a liquid uh, so that you can participate with us as well. You can go ahead and open your elements because uh, we're going to just take some time to participate in communion together. See, this is the cool part about faith is that it, it isn't just you and Jesus. It's you're a part of a community, right? We're a part of a herd. <laughs> like we're all in this thing and we're here to challenge and encourage one another, lift each other up. And we come to the table, we get to look around this room and say, we're not on our own here. Christ has purchased the right for us to not just join his kingdom, but to join his family and community. And we, we love the blessings that come with that, which is community and encouragement, all right? So it says, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Let's eat together. Can you just say, thank you, Jesus, for your body. Thank you for your body broken for us, Lord. The same way after dinner, he says he took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This blood that cleanses us, provides for us. Can we drink together? Would you stand with me and let's just respond for a moment. We just begin to say thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy, God. Let's just take a moment to worship and respond.